We're going to be positive every day. You're the people being negative. You and some of the fans. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yosemite booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. <laughs> Uh, my name is Mike Irons. Uh, we're going back to our Entitled Town roots a little bit this week. Uh, no one wants to talk about uh, Sunday's Patriots game. Saints 28, Patriots 13. Uh, you start. You can draw your own conclusions. As I mentioned, we're going back to the roots a little bit on Entitled Town. Uh, John is here. We have a guest. Ian Glendon from Full Press Coverage is joining us. Ian is based in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. Ian, want, welcome to the show. Why don't you give us uh, our listeners a, a brief bio? on what you're doing with full press coverage. Oh, thanks for having me first off guys. And um, yeah, we, uh, you know, we're actually approaching our four year uh, anniversary, so to speak uh, in November. So, you know, we're trying to bring some pretty level headed, uh, talented coverage to football as best we can and try to, you know, just create some good engaging content that, that people of, of all fan levels can enjoy. And, um, you know, really it, it, it's become an outlet for myself and all the people that work for us to really, uh, uh, you know, go for our passion and, and kind of be able to, to push the limits of what we can do as a individual. So in that sense, I, I love the site. Um, it's been a part of my life for again, four years now. I've, I've thought about it every single day since then. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, it allows me to write and talk about sports and, and put my bad opinions and, and often inaccurate opinions out there because, uh, they seem to be coming more often than not. <laughs> Well, owning it is, is the first step. I, I would, that's what I'd argue. So you've worked in Boston media. You're now following, uh, covering the bucks. Mm -hmm. How do Boston and how does the Boston media differ from, uh, the media covering the bucks, the Patriots media in, in particular? Well, the Patriots media, it, look it, from the media to the fans, to the entire region has been absolutely turned upside down by the, just the having Tom Brady for 20 years. It's, it's, yeah. it's, completely screwed people's way of, of analyzing everything from, from just quarterback play, the team building to coaching success, everything down here in Tampa where, you know, look, I, you know, living so close, I, I, you know, pay attention just because I'm a fan of football. So, you know, I'm in the local area, so I pay attention. I'm still a Patriots fan having, you know, spent a majority of my life, obviously uh, in new England and Massachusetts, but, you know, down here, I saw the evolution of a, Rightfully so, a pessimist, not I want to say pessimistic, but a cautiously optimistic uh, fan base and media base when Brady first signed because, hey, look, you know, you, you can read everything that Brady's done. He was still a 43-year-old quarterback or soon-to-be 43-year-old quarterback, and, well, guess what? That doesn't often or it never works out for any team that signs quarterbacks that late or any athlete yeah. that late in their career. So, you know, a little bit of cautious optimism, but, you know, fair coverage of the guy. Because they looked at it from a football perspective. They weren't trying to find uh, the, the little hit, hidden narratives or manufactured narratives. It was more about, okay, what can Tom Brady bring to this team that hasn't won a playoff game in, in almost 20 years? You know, what can he do to change this culture? And, you know, at first was it, okay, maybe just the leadership, but it became very quickly about his play because people realized, oh, wait, 
all this talk about him falling off a cliff and all this, I, we don't see it. So all of a sudden they started covering it. <clears throat> Excuse me. They started covering it like, you know, football uh, uh, journalists should. And that's by the X's and O's. What is he doing to help this team grow and build and all that? And I, I think for the most part, Bucks media was, it was a, a, it was a pleasant change of pace for someone who's watched Brady be covered, not only locally, Boston wise, but nationally as well, be covered now as a Buccaneer, as opposed to a Patriot, because it seems like night and day. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you hit on a number of things there, Ian, and I think your perspective is a, you know, the big reason what you laid out there is a big reason why I was looking forward to having you on uh, looking at some of the stuff you've been putting online and on Twitter. You know, you seem to be a guy who's really appreciated both the careers of Brady and Belichick, um, you know, for over the duration of their time together and, you know, not getting into the split uh, in this conversation at the moment, at least, but you know, that what you touched on, it's, long struck me that Boston media spent, I don't know, maybe the last half of Brady's time in Boston, wondering when he'd fall off, wondering mm. when, you know, hoping he would fail, hoping for controversy, looking for controversy, pining for Jimmy Garoppolo, still pining for Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in some cases, yeah. right? And and the the what you touched on, I think the very beginning, the the way it's warped the brains of the media here, which maybe we're already warped to begin with, just, you know, always warped different topic, but especially warped the brains of the fans. And we're seeing the absolute yeah. worst of that this week. I mean, the, the, the psychosis of Boston fans uh, is really coming to a head. Put aside the Red Sox getting swept at home by the Yankees. It's really coming to a head this week. And arguably, I think Mike said the maybe the biggest, no hyperbole, biggest NFL regular season game in history, most anticipated at least as far as the storyline, but also the kind of the, the apex of this awful, you know, psychosis among the Boston fandom as it relates to the split with Brady and Belichick. So what's your, what's, give, give me some more of your kind of perspective on that now that you're down in St. Pete and Tampa. Well, you know, I, it, it's so hard and you saw this coming obviously last week when, you know, people started gearing up for this matchup and, and in the wrong way too, because it was all about, well, who didn't want who, who didn't want this. And, you know, it, it was just, it, it was maddening, but expected. I mean, at this point, I, I can't be shocked when I see stuff like that because, you know, what, what am I going to expect them to all of a sudden do the exact opposite of what they've been doing. So down here in Tampa, obviously, you know, they, there, there wasn't a mention of the Patriots game, at least until now. Now, obviously, it's OK. It's on to on to the Patriots that that, you know, Patriots mantra of one game at a time has really taken hold. And obviously, Brady has a lot to do with that. I mean, he's carrying that over from, well, guess what? That guy named Bill Belichick, who taught him a lot of that, uh, you know, mentality in his 20 years. So, you know, from a from a Tampa, Tampa perspective, they're covering it like a like a normal game, not, you know, normal in the sense that you know, oh, it's just another day, but just a normal week. They're not jumping ahead. They're not trying to find like, you know, is Brady going back angry at Belichick? No, they're like, okay, well, we just got beat by the Rams. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do to get better? Now, let's not take the Patriots mildly because, yeah, okay, they they have some talent and could certainly surprise some teams. But, you know, you got to take into account, yeah, this is a pretty big game, pretty big game for Tom. And let's not forget there's one coach in this league that probably knows Tom better than anyone, including Tom himself. And that's Bill Belichick. So if anyone's going to be able to really, you know, harp on his weaknesses and there, there's, there's not many it's Bill Belichick. So 
you know, from, <clears throat> excuse me, from a Tampa, Tampa uh, media point of view, they're covering it like it's a game. Um, obviously, as expected, you know, what we're seeing from up north is, you know, Brady versus Belichick, who didn't want who rehashing of history and, and just essentially manufacturing drama because a yes. lot of these narratives are based in, in, I don't even want to call them half truths because it gives it too much credit. It's, yes. it's like quarter and eighth truths. You know, it's just so small that I, I can't even believe it has substance, but you know, here we are. And, and <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad that this game is early in the season because I don't know if I could handle this late in the year. That's a great point. We have it, a free, it, go ahead, John. I just got to say real quick, I agree. A great point. And while there was no discussion of the Patriots in Tampa last week before the Rams game, there was no discussion of the saints in new England before the saints game. Right. I mean, that's, that's how conversely 180 degree opposite it, it felt like based on what you said and, and what I felt like I experienced um, with the Boston media last week. And I feel that Matthew Slater came out today and I'm paraphrasing. He said that they have to get back to making it about the Patriots not about anything mm-hmm. else. And Devin McCourty kind of echoed that saying that they're not good enough to worry about anything else. They need to worry about themselves. Um, let me ask you, Ian, how's Brady, how has Brady changed? And I don't just mean the Botox, the hair plugs and the just for men. <laughs> how has he changed in, you know, looking at, I don't pay a lot of attention to that franchise and that city color. I, mm-hmm. I just don't do it. I, maybe it's, it's the, I'm having the behavior like a dog. I'm just ignoring it. Cause I don't want to deal with it. But from, from 3,000 miles away, it almost seems like he saw Peyton Manning's kind of blueprint, if you will. And he's, he's doing ads for T-Mobile. He's doing ads for Subway, really embarrassing ads for Subway. He's doing ads with his wife. Um, you know, I think if the check clears, he might show up for, at the opening of a wound, for Christ's sake, at this point. So <laughs> it seems like he's a completely different guy. Um, do you think he, he thought he would his post-football brand in, in Dr. Evil air quotes. I, do you think he thought it would be hurt by continuing his association with Belichick? Because the image rehab he's undergone, the metamorphosis with the national media where he's, you know, the lovable scamp now with this goofy mm. dad social media presence. I find it fairly nauseating, but I'm, I'm the jilted guy here. Yeah. <laughs> Has Look, he changed? I, I, I think there's, there's truth to the fact that you know, the image with Belichick probably isn't as right. I mean, look, we see it in the national media. And and again, that's something that was so predictable. ESPN loves Tom Brady now. You know what I mean? It used to be mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, he blinks twice in the wrong direction and it's a national news story, you know, headlined for the next two weeks. And the now, Patriots lose draft picks. Exactly. So now, now it's, oh, it's Tom Brady. It's, oh, he's 44 years old. Do you know that? It's like, yeah, of course we do. And Chris Hogan played lacrosse. We get it, you know? And, and so, you know, when it comes to change though, I, I wouldn't say change. I think he's this, he's been this guy and, and I'm basing this, uh, you know, <clears throat> on a lot of comments made by teammates about who he is behind the scenes. Um, I think his in camera out of season uh, image has changed. I E you know, going out and kind of having a little fun. I, I think that's always been him, but of course I think he, he did neuter himself a little bit. Um, you know, with Belichick, with the Patriots, which is fine. I don't think that's any indictment on either of them. It's right. just how things were run here. And, and I think it did him good, you know, in the long run because he can compartmentalize because he's not like that on game day. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet that was going around that caught him uh, uh, mouthing some uh, pretty choice words on camera, but he had this death stare that we're all too familiar with that just 
that shows you that he he takes this very seriously. So despite all the goofiness that that you do see him now, he's kind of become Florida man now. You know, he's the same. <laughs> he's, he's the same guy. You know, he's the same guy in the locker room. He's the same guy. Um, you know, I I, I think this camera <clears throat> personality is maybe a little bit more authentic to who he is, as a, as opposed to what it was with the Patriots. But there were always little flashes of that with the Patriots, just not in this abundance. It feels like, like you said, he's just. And, and good for him. I mean, because he knows eventually, you know, this paycheck is going to run out. And the longer he plays, the better for P- TB12. Obviously, you know, he's living proof of, of that being an effective method for some. But, you know, he's also endearing himself, I guess, uh, to, you know, younger adults, mothers, fathers, casual fans, because, you know, he's going to end up being the Terry Bradshaw of commercials in about 25 years when he finally retires. And, you know, going out there endorsing things and, you know, good for him. You know, he, he's going to keep making money. So is he the de facto assistant GM of the Bucks? He wanted Antonio Brown. Oh, he sure. got Antonio Brown. He wanted Leonard Fournette. He got Leonard Fournette. He wanted Gronkowski. He got Gronkowski. I mean, that's yeah. it, again, it's the Manning and Denver comparisons. Mm-hmm. And no, I'd love no, to no. call him. I'd love to call him a shameless stat humper because I'm a bitter old fool. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I know he wants to slit everybody's throats to these plays, but he's the assistant GM in Tampa, right? Oh, absolutely. And look, to your stat thing, good for him. I mean, he's been, like, the more we see this, I mean, every stat, when we get into, like, quarterback comparisons, like, every stat is almost holding him back because it's like, well, well what team has more uh, touchdowns from when the five-yard line rushing? Well, it's the Patriots. Well, okay, Aaron Rodgers has the most. Well, and the, that's, that's where you get that big touchdown gap. But um, to your question, I, you know, I had the privilege – uh, of being able to um, speak with uh, Jason Jason Light, uh, the Bucks GM, on a, on a podcast. You know, look, he's a smart smart guy. He's come from the Patriots organization, and and to his credit, a lot of these really young good players for the Bucks were a product of his drafting and scouting and all that. But yeah. he would be a fool not to listen to Tom Brady. And you know, I in one game in New England, I was one of those guys that that said, you know, following the release that. I, the Patriots, I thought were wrong in, in releasing him. I thought that was a huge blow to their team and any last ditch effort they may have had at that point to keep Tom Brady. I think that was it. And, and a lot of that was based on just this weird rapport that they have. I mean, it was just instant and you saw it on the field. He only had four catches, but, but there was just something different. You, you, you see it with some players. You, you don't see it with many. Um, so if you're Jason light, you're sitting there saying, well, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, is telling me, I want this guy. This guy who just happened to be coming off a, a stretch of six seasons where he had more than 1,500 yards or he averaged more than 1,500 yards before that one game in New England. You know, this guy's still a young guy, relatively. Bring him on and, and look what we've seen so far. I mean, he missed on a Sunday's game, but, you know, the guy's still a Pro Bowl receiver if he, you know, stays on the field. So, and, and Gronk, look, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm a little shocked that he seems to have regained uh, as much of a step as he did. Um, But the reality of it is he took a year off right around the same time that Tom Brady had his knee injury. And in that time, he obviously got healthy, healed up, but he changed, you know, he changed his diet. He changed how he worked out much like Brady did. And I think we're seeing the product of that now on the field where, Oh, is Gronk 2011 Gronk? No, that, that might've been the greatest tight end season of all time, but He's much more than 50% or 60% Gronk right now. So I'd say Tom Brady, the GM, is a a pretty smart guy. 
All right, Ian, you're going to you talk about Antonio Brown and you're going to have to indulge my Patriot fan aggrievedness here Mm -hmm. because Antonio Brown, when he was a Patriot, you know, couldn't do anything right in the eyes of ESPN and you know, for the, that Mike the, Freeman column, by the way, uh, we're, we're still <laughs> waiting for that Mike Freeman. That's exactly right. Right. So that was Antonio Brown with the Patriots. And, you know, you mentioned Bill Belichick's national, you know, perception, his image in the national media, you know, the, the, as a Patriots fan, just speaking for myself, it's like, you know, Brady's in new England, he's deflating balls and busting up cell phones. Belichick is Darth hoodie. Antonio Brown is beating up everybody and, you know, a complete basket case ought to be put in, you know, Arkham Asylum or something, right? And now these guys, you know, he's down in Tampa with his good buddy Tom, you know, doing some perfect strangers reboot down there. And nothing, nothing's wrong. You know, there is no investigation of Antonio Brown. Nothing, nothing happened. That's all been memory hold. And as a Patriots fan, I know, I know you know that Patriots fans have a sense of kind of, you know, antagonism toward local media, national media, ESPN in particular, you know, uh, Irish Alzheimer's, you know, we forget everything except the grudges up here. Right. And, uh, you know, I just, I can't help, but like get kind of a twitch when you, when you talk about how good things are down there. And I feel like as the Patriots did, weren't afforded that luxury, you know, we weren't afforded that Tom Brady, Antonio Brown connection because the national media was, was all over it, you know, almost in, in the Boston media was in cahoots with it too. They wouldn't let it happen. Well, and, and look, I, I firmly believe that this was a Robert Kraft decision giving into that public pressure because I think Bill Belichick, I mean, they, they signed him based on, they signed him and brought him on the team based on the same information we had when they cut him. You know, everything that people were getting all, you know, out of yeah. shape about, aside from the, the text message he sent, um, you know, during the meeting or whatever, essentially everything was the same. So I, I, I believe that Robert Kraft gave into it and I think it was a mistake. I mean, am I going to sit there and condemn Robert Kraft for it forever? No, I'm just going to sit there and say, well, look, you made a huge mistake in letting him go. I said it at the time. I, I got a lot of slack for it too, but I kept saying it. And, you know, when the Bucks were rumored to be interested in Antonio Brown, I said, the Bucks need to sign Antonio Brown because he's going to end up being, if not the best receiver, the second best receiver on this team, because he's still got it. And this rapport he has with Brady, you know, maybe it's, it's the, it's the six round draft bond that they have. They both for better or worse, love football and love being a student of the game and doing the things. And and look, when you look at a guy like Antonio Brown, he's the perfect Tom Brady receiver. Oh yeah. He can play, he can play all over the field in the middle of the field. He has uh, that, just that instinct to, to know where to go. So to me, it's, it was a no brainer. The second they cut Antonio Brown, I was just, it, it felt like a tease. Cause I was like, you know, <laughs> that was it. You know, they keep Antonio Brown. I believe at the very least they're in the AFC championship game, perhaps even going back to the Super Bowl because I think he solved a lot of what their issues were uh, from the receiver point later in that season. I think Brown, the Brown release Brady said, at one point during the 2019 season that he was the most miserable eight, no quarterback in the history of football. Yeah. Mopey Tom was terrible in the last half of 2019. And he, I think I believe with the benefit of hindsight, he had one foot out the door, the, mm-hmm. the Brown release and just everything that the end of the 2019 season was miserable. It was, it was really odd to follow after the, the joyous 2018 campaign, you know, the, the maybe the second uh, most or second least, expected Super Bowl victory after Super Bowl 36. Uh, I want to turn a little bit more to the Bucks, Ian. 
Um, mm-hmm. I have a, admittedly, I have a hair across my ass for Bruce Arians. He rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> um, was there tension? The Bucks started seven and five last year before running the table, winning the Super Bowl. And Arians rather publicly criticized Brady, throwing him under the bus after a couple mm-hmm. of losses. Was there any tension on the team after he did that? Old coach yeah, it, Kangal backing it, over Brady. Look, I, I, I think as much as you see it as performative art, uh, I, I think the players do as well because, you know, look, uh, I, do I think he's the worst coach in the league? No, absolutely not. I think he's definitely got some qualities that that work well, especially for this team. But I, I, I think the you know, watching him long enough, you understand this is what you're going to get from him. I mean, he's not Bill Belichick and no one should expect him to be. Um, he's a guy who's benefited from being uh, with a lot of really good quarterbacks, but this was the first time in his career. He wasn't the, uh, for lack of a better phrase, the alpha in the room, because if you think about it, even, you know, he was with a young Peyton Manning. So he wasn't Peyton Manning at the time. He was with Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer and Ben Roethlisberger and all that. But all of a sudden you're, you're talking to Tom Brady. You're, you're not going to tell Tom Brady. And, and look, Tom doesn't have that big of an ego to sit there and say, I'm going to get every single thing that I want, no matter what you say. But, if you're Bruce Arians and Tom Brady has a suggestion or something that he wants to do, you should probably open your, your ears and listen. And I think that was, you know, I'll compliment him first and say that's probably his best quality was he was able to, you know, amend himself and do more of what Tom wanted to do because, well, guess what? It worked that second half of the season. I mean, they just ended their streak of scoring 30 straight points. And I think it was 10 straight games, you know, that just ended this past Sunday. So whatever they changed worked. So to his credit, I'll, I'll, I will give him credit for doing that and being uh, open. But again, I, I think if you're going to sit there and, and talk about, uh, I know sometimes Mike Tomlin gets criticized for being more of a, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but more of a cheerleader coach as opposed to an X's and O's coach. And I think Bruce Arians is a little bit more of that as well with, you know, some dynamic offensive ability, but for the most part, I think, think tom has a, has a huge influence in what they actually do uh series to series play to play that type of thing no risk it no biscuit actually applies to the press uh the press box buffet at foxborough too as well to steal bruce arians <laughs> phrase uh john john you're up yeah so the uh mike said earlier about brady being the assistant gm and uh was it week one or week two where there was that shot of brady kind of waving off left which Right. I, I and, think it, I think it was week two. I, I believe it was week two. Week two. And and of course, next play, Brady and his, you know, in his typical greatness, you know, touchdown pass and mm-hmm. you know it all works out, right? And you know, I'm I'm thinking to myself again as the aggrieved Patriots fan who's just done with Boston media, how big a story that would have been in Boston, you know, dissent with Brady and the coaches, and he doesn't respect. Josh McDaniels and, you know, all the, all the bullshit fake conjured narratives that, you know, we would have been stuck with for 48 hours. Back when Bill O'Brien, him and Billy O'Brien screamed at each other on the sidelines. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, so it, there's precedent for it. And was that even a story in Tampa Bay? Cause that's the kind of thing that we, we deal with in Boston. No, it it was, it was probably, it was probably like just an offhand question during a press conference and, you know, to uh, Byron Leftwood's credit, he, I think he said something along the lines of, well, no, I mean, he, Tom was right, obviously, yeah. like, and, and that was it. So, you know, that story's dead and you focus on what actually happened, which was winning in the X's and O's. And, and like you said, it all of a sudden becomes, well, Tom, Tom looks pretty damn good for 44 years old. And, and by pretty damn good, I mean, 
in my opinion, the best quarterback in the league. And in New England, we weren't getting those stories to the point where you actually convinced a large portion of the fan base that in 2018, he was not the same guy anymore. Right. And, you know, I, you know, there's not, I, I mentioned at the top of the show, there's not too many things I'm right about. There's a couple of things I've been dead on about, and that's a lot to do with how Tom Brady's been playing over the last couple of years. And I've maintained he's been the best quarterback in the league since 2014. That hasn't changed hands. I don't care about who wins what MVP or, you know, who gets voted to what popularity contest. It doesn't right. matter to me. You know, I look at what I see on the field and I see a guy who hasn't not won a Super Bowl in back-to-back seasons since 2012 and 2013. Yeah, I see a guy amazing. who's that's amazing. Yeah, who's won uh and and keeps pace statistically, which again, I'll agree with Bill Belichick and say stats are for losers because any show out there with a Twitter account can go out and manipulate whatever stat that they want to try to prove their point. So, but if you want to go that route, he's right up there with all the best. If you want to go Super Bowls, well, guess what? He's lapped the crowd like six times. So to me, I, 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 I just, I look at it and I say the, the media in Boston since what, 2014, maybe just really for the most part, just focused on the negative. Yeah. Oh, did he screw up? Oh, is this relationship strained? Oh, did did Tom Brady against everything we know about the guy go and storm and, and complain to Robert Kraft because he didn't want the competition with Jimmy Garoppolo? No, of course he didn't do that. I mean, because that goes against everything we know about Tom Brady, who is the most competitive person in the world. He could have left well, Michigan because of Drew Hansen. Well, I mean, Ian, yeah. are you are you telling me you disagree with Seth Wickersham that he purposefully locked Jimmy G out of the uh out of the TB12 headquarters there? Did that, I mean, are you, are you telling me Seth was wrong there? My life's perfect purpose is to disagree <laughs> with everything Seth Worker Jam said. <laughs> oh, I, that gets a vouch, Mike. <laughs> John, you'll never learn Jesus. Um, yeah, the, the, I like to call him the appropriately named Seth Worker Sham. It's, you know, he has, he has many, many, many uh, fine unnamed sources. The, the oh, yeah. voices in his head, chief among them. Um, Boston media. Hold on, hold on. I wanna, go ahead, John. Hold on, Mike. I want to go. I want to go back to to something Ian said. Reference in the 2018 season. The receipts are out there. Mm-hmm. The 2018 season marked the the absolute apex of Bill Belichick's coaching genius. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, another game plan going into the Hall of Fame sort of moment for him. Yeah. Right. And proof positive that all along it was Bill, not Tom. Right. I mean, the receipts are there <laughs> that the win over the Rams in that Super Bowl, when the, the offense, you know, barely staggered the 13 points and Belichick's defense shut down the brilliant genius, Sean McVay, that was final proof that it was all Belichick and Tom was a system quarterback. And here we are. Right. And that's and again, that's what we, we dealt with that sort of gaslighting. Right. Couldn't wait for Brady to get out of town. Didn't want the competition, blah, blah, blah all that stuff. It was Belichick all along. And now here we are. And now the media has flipped it around and they're trying to gaslight us that Bill Belichick is a loser coach without Tom Brady. And, you know, he, he's, he can't, you know, make a single good move anymore. 90 seconds, no commercials. Jim Murray wishes death on teenagers and acting, right? I mean, that's our, <laughs> that's our 98 five shtick. Uh, yeah. Ian, your, your thoughts on uh, John's point. Yeah. Look, I mean, it, it's, it, that's exactly right. Like 2018, um, you know, I think we saw in hindsight, and again, this isn't meant as disrespect to Cam Newton, but I think we saw in hindsight how good not only 2018 and especially 2019 was for Brady 
you know, uh, looking at the the quote unquote stats, you'd be like, oh, well, obviously he's in decline. Well, no, I mean, it was just the, the circumstances just weren't ideal. And in, in 2018, yeah, that narrative works if you ignore the AFC championship game yeah. or, or the divisional game where they scored a combined 78 points and the Patriots needed uh, three straight third and long completions in overtime oh, yeah. to beat D Ford. I mean, I'm sorry, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, so like it, this idea that uh, just because the Super Bowl out, see, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what happened during the season, doesn't matter what happened in those two games prior. All that matters was the Patriots let up three points to the Rams and the Patriots only scored 13. All of a sudden, Tom Brady's carried to a Super Bowl. He's yep. locked an edge. He's I mean, a year prior to that, he set a record for yardage in back to back seasons. He set record uh, for yardage in a Super Bowl in the Atlanta and uh, yeah, Philadelphia right. Super Bowl. Right. So, you know, look at the, you know, kind of to a comment that you made uh, earlier about about 2019 and kind of the tail end of it. It's like, look, I, I agree. I think at that point, the writing was on the wall. Um, they both parties knew that this this was going to be it. And, and quite frankly, they were coming off three straight Super Bowl perform, uh, appearances and, and four and five years. Eventually, you're going to run out of a little bit of steam. So the fact that you know, they lost in the first round in, in 2019. It's unfortunate. They certainly didn't come to play. So they, they didn't come to play in that situation. And you know what? It's not the end of the world. You're coming off three straight Super Bowl performances, uh, you know, almost five in a row if you really think about that 2015 game. And you know what? Teams get tired. You're at the end of a 20-year run with the guy. Tom Brady goes out. He seems rejuvenated. And, and as someone I, I feel like a pretty well-balanced Patriots fan, the fact that he went to Tampa, obviously close, close to where I live, but it's an NFC team that has had zero success and has nothing to do with the Patriots outside of once meeting every four years yep. you know, by chance or not by chance, by design. I, I don't care about the Bucs. I really don't. So yeah. I'm going yeah. to the NFC. That's great. I can root for him. I can cheer for him. I'm not a Bucks fan. I got I got a Michigan Brady jersey over my back. I'm not going to buy a Bucks jersey until he retires, and I'll add it to my you know collection. But the reality of it is, up until this week, I've had no problem rooting for him. I root against him this week, but that's fine. I'm realistic. I, I look at the Bucks. I'm like, I want Tom Brady to win as many Super Bowls as he possibly can before he retires. So, all these knuckleheads on Twitter, I mean, we'll have less. To, to combat because I think it's ridiculous now, but the more he wins, it just, it gets just sillier and sillier. Yeah. He's, he's in the, he's a professional quarterback. He's also a professional at making me, uh, media look like mediates as oh, we I like to it. call them oh, on I this podcast. Um, <laughs> and we got briefly about the game. Um, the, the, the bucks have a, as we discussed, a great stable of weapons with a Z, <laughs> they don't have a good running game. Um, the, the Bucks running backs any threats in this game outside of the backfield? Do the Patriots play the uh, the Bill Belichick against the Bills Super Bowl twenty five game plan and have two down linemen and nine people in the secondary and just try to make them win uh, running the ball? Well, to kind of circle back to our Bruce Arians talk, one of my biggest criticisms criticisms of him is not why is he not using Giovanni Bernard? Um, you know, people, again, we, we go through it every year. We went through it every year with Patriots, especially when they won. There was always revisionist history. So now everyone goes back and says, oh, look at them. They had, you know, Leonard Fournette and, and uh, uh, Ronald Jones and, and some people that really didn't pay attention will sit there and say LaShawn McCoy, too. And that really is ridiculous. But those other two running backs, re, you know, they had good moments, uh, especially Leonard Fournette uh, in the playoffs. 
but they were such a liability in the passing game. And, and both of all three of us know how much Brady yeah. likes that aspect of the game and how dangerous it can be for opposing defenses to try to cover a, a, a pass catching running back in a Tom Brady offense. So not only were they not creating plays, they were hurting with drops. I mean, we saw it in the playoffs. There were drops every single time. I, every time I saw him throw to a running back, I would cringe because I'm like, mm-hmm. this is like, there's a, there's a 30, 40% chance this gets dropped. Um, early on this season, I've, I was kind of been kind of surprised at how little they've used Giovanni Bernard, because even in the times that he's been on the field sparingly, he's looks like so much more of a natural pass catcher in this offense. Now I understand he's not a three down back, so you can't use him all the time, but Bruce Arians, for some reason, just hasn't been using him. We saw him a little bit more this Sunday. And I think the potential is, is certainly there for him to be a, you know, James white like player in this offense. Um, but, you know, the, other than that, I mean, the, their running game is, is, is trash. Brady was their leading rusher yeah. on Sunday. <laughs> like yeah. th- this is a, this team reminds me a lot of those early 2010s Patriots teams, because those early 2010s Patriots teams, they had some talent, certainly on offense and on defense, but defense, especially they were bend don't break. So it was, it was frustrating as hell. They can never get off the field on third down. They always seem to just never get off the field when they needed to. It was just, it was frustrating, but they were good in the red zone. So guess what? It was a top 10 defense in the haters eyes. They carried Brady to a Super Bowl. all that stuff. Tampa's very similar. And now that they're facing injuries in the secondary, it, they're even more like that because they really can't stop people consistently. They have moments. They're good at creating turnovers at times, but for the most part, they're just a mediocre defense that Tom Brady is going to have to carry. And if they don't get help in the running game, it's going to put an even bigger load on his shoulders, which I, I think, you know, based on just what we've seen through three games, he's pretty much it. He's their offense right now. I don't, I don't care about their weapons with a Z. I don't care if it's Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller, Mike Evans, uh, you know, Chris, uh, I like to drop the ball in terrible situations. Godwin, <laughs> like, I, I don't care. It's all about Brady. It's all about Brady and what he does with this offense. And uh, <clears throat> there's one guy out there that if you're going to tell me he needs to throw 50 times if the team's going to have a chance to win. I'll, I'll, I'll hitch my wagon to Tom. I know Aaron Rodgers can't do it. A lot of a lot of quarterbacks can't do it. Only Tom can. He's the only one with a winning record, and it's embarrassingly stupid that he's the only one. I mean, it, it's just it's absurdly stupid. Let, let's put it that way: that he is the only one that wins in those situations. But you know, the Bucks <laughs> could be worse off. You know, if other quarterbacks didn't have a running game like the Bucks apparently don't through these first three games, um, they'd be in a lot of trouble. But I, th- I think I rambled a little bit there, but you got me talking no, about Brady and that, you know, that's great. all that stuff. So what's your um, early on the season, you know, initial impressions of Mac Jones? Because as a Patriots fan, you know, I'm really, really pleased with what we're seeing from Mac Jones. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, if you're going to, there's a lot of things that the Patriots need to fix and there's a lot of things, issues that they're dealing with right now. Mac Jones is at the very end of the list. Um, And again, this also, you have to realize, and and a lot of people I think don't have realistic expectations. This goes back to kind of our early discussion about just people's minds being warped at this point. Uh, People expect him to come in and, and, you know, why isn't he throwing the ball downfield? Why isn't he taking chances? Well, why, why do that? Why force feed him something yeah. when, well, clearly he's a young quarterback. He needs time to develop. And if, if the Patriots are a little bit more cautious than they need to be, well, so be it. 
I'd rather that than, you know, him be Trevor Lawrence and just huck the ball around and look like he's playing. Like he looks like me when I play Madden, when I play, Tre- you know, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. it's like, yeah, I'm going to throw three touchdowns, but I'm going to throw three backbreaking, stupid interceptions. And that's that. Like I look at Mac Jones and I see a guy that, you know, you know, forget the stats again, stats are for losers. Forget about those numbers. I see a guy who is poised in the pocket, even at a young age, facing a lot of pressure, tends to make the right decision most of the time. Now, is there going to be growing pains? Absolutely. He's a young quarterback. If you don't expect that, then your opinions are already warped. But for the most part, he doesn't put the ball in danger. He, he makes the right decisions. And even in situations where, you know, he gets rushed and there's no chance for him to, to escape, he's either trying to throw it away or he's not trying to do something stupid like we saw Jameis Winston do. It just happened to turn into a touchdown. Yeah. For Jameis, but it, at the end of the day, it was a dumb play. Sort yeah. of like the immaculate incompletion from the Super Bowl. Like at the end of the day, <laughs> that was a dumb play. You, you huck the ball up in quadruple coverage and a desperate heave. It was a dumb play. And, you know, it, it is what it is. But Mac Jones seems to be avoiding those. Now, again, yeah. smart coaching on, on Belichick's part. Don't put too much on his plate early. Um, but we saw this past weekend that he does have the ability to, you know, throw the ball deep. He's got to get a little bit more accurate on those deep balls. We saw him overthrow a few of them. But, again, that's, that's part of the growth. He's three yeah. games into a career. I mean, the, the kids, I don't know what, 24 years old. What are we talking about here? Like he's not going to be Tom Brady. No one's Tom Brady. So I was Tom Brady. Wasn't Tom Brady in 2001 either. So no, exactly. yeah, to your point, John, I could hear uh, the Boston media from 20 years ago when Mac just missed in those deep balls yesterday. You can hear the echoes of mediates passing. Brady can't throw the deep ball. <laughs> so he's in good company. If that's the case. Um, If they, once they clean up the offensive line, getting Trent Brown back will be huge. And hopefully the rest of the line will fall in line. They have to figure out a way to uh, the saints, Dennis Allen and Peyton threw nothing but pressure at the Patriots Mm -hmm. offensive line. They really couldn't handle it. Part of the reason we call this podcast entitled town, Ian is because the fans with the Z have become soft. They've become entitled. I mean, it's the process is part of the fun, like watching this guy, as a rookie, he's going to be a lot better in week 17 and 18 knockwood than he is in weeks one, two, and three. It's, it, it's, it's part of the allure of being a sports fan it, rather than having narratives shoved down your throat and being gaslit and having misrepresentations. It's that, that podcast exists for this reason. So I think they'll get it cleaned up. Um, John, do you have any more questions for Ian? Last one, quick. Uh, how many guys does uh, Tom Brady Senior spend time with in the Tampa Bay media? How often is he on the air down there? <laughs> well, I, I've I've been who's pushing the Tom Curran of, of uh, <laughs> West Coast of Florida? I, I, look, uh, I'll be honest. I've been trying to work my way into the inner circle. I spent some time in the Bay, cruising around the lake, trying to get a good view of his backyard. That four p.m. dinners. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm heading out to the West Coast in a few weeks, so maybe I'll take a trip up to San Mateo and then, you know, talk to him firsthand. Oh, look, as far as I know, I don't think Tom Senior has has talked to anyone aside from Tom or or, or Alex Guerrero down here in Tampa. But um, honest, look. Alex Guerrero, here's some concussion water. <laughs> Hey, hey, look, you know, like I said, the proof is in the pudding when it comes to TB12. Whatever Tom's doing, clearly, he, you know, him playing until he's 44 is certainly good uh, business growth for him. And, and it kind of, you know, makes you ignore some of the things that Alex Pereira did in the past. Or at least I do. I do. But 
I'm a Brady honk, and I'll be the first to admit it. Botox so. and pliability for the win. <laughs> Ian, hey, just, uh, go ahead, no, John. No, no, uh, no discussion of land deals or best buddy scandals either. No, there. no, but I do believe that the uh, the Buccaneers will be uh, funneling money under the cap into this avocado <laughs> venture that Brady downtown <laughs> Tampa. But, but again, we've got a we've got a, a senior NFL writer for the Boston Globe that would like your contact information <laughs> on that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to give him my email. <laughs> the Glazer family is buying 17 Subway franchises in St. Pete, and they're going to funnel the money through all the avocado sales to Brady. Yeah, so Brady can earn a, a quarter and a half percent of his annual salary. That's it. Ian, where can we find your stuff? Uh, if you want to get into the nonsense that is debating quarterbacks and stupidity on Twitter, feel free to uh, follow my personal account. It's uh, at IGLEN31. And then, um, of course, uh, at Full Press Coverage or Full Press NFL for all of our NFL stuff. And uh, you can check out fullpresscoverage.com for just all we offer, uh, articles, podcasts, video, all that good stuff. So, all right, Excellent. Ian, thank you very much for your time. And um, hopefully we can do this again soon. Thanks again. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. Take care. John, you couldn't even get halfway through the interview without vouching. The problem, I mean, another suspension is on tap. Well, you know, I, I'm trying my best not to, but I have to admit the dude, Ian, just thinks like we think. Like I'm listening to him talk and I'm nodding my head. And when he finally, and I'm, and I'm getting more and more like, you know, enthusiastic. Okay, I like the way this guy thinks. And then when he dunks on Seth Wickersham, yeah, I mean, you had me at Seth Wickersham. That's when you had me. You had me at Seth Wickersham. So I, uh, I'm doing my best to, to not vouch, but Ian, I'm happy to vouch for Ian. Are you going to play Dreamweaver when we log off here <laughs> before you go I'm out hold, to dinner? I'm, I'm holding a boom box with In Your Eyes above me right now. Uh, I can, since we're on a Zoom call, I can see that that will be the case very shortly. <laughs> uh, we have, we're going to be trying to crank out some content this week. We're going to have a, another guest on a podcast in the next couple of days. Uh, Vinny J sent an email. We'll cover that with some of the other guys. We'll get the band back together towards the end of the week. Um, entitledtown at gmail.com is the email address. The Twitter account is at entitledtown. Ian gave his Twitter handle. John is at that John Irons. Uh, my name is Mike Irons. Thank you for listening. And as always, turn off your radio. Stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. You got the wrong guy leading this basketball team.